Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for the privilege we have this evening to gather here to study your word. We trust you that by your spirit you will teach us. You will enable us to teach your people and open our eyes and cause us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we are going to talk about uh, what we started last Thursday, which unfortunately we couldn't stream. We had technical issues, but they have been resolved now. So it's important that we go back and talk about the weapon of righteousness because that weapon is so critical, it's so important. We can't, we can't miss out on that. And again, that's how we live our Christian life. So it's important that we, we get it right, get this weapon, understand it and how it works, so that we introduce, we use it in our lives as God has intended that we should use it. So now we're going to start this. Yeah, let me make sure I have, yeah, I have the correct one. So we still go to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual darkness of wickedness in the heavenly places. 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God <clears throat> that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 14, stand therefore, having guided your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, and we need to be familiar with all these weapons because we have no other weapons. Child of God, you have no other weapon that God is providing you with which to engage challenges of life. It, people, people don't understand that when the Bible says, this is what God is giving you, that's it. We, we, we don't take this thing so seriously as if we have options. And that's why we start doing things that is not biblical and complicate matters. Expose ourselves to demonic spirit and stuff like that. Doing rituals that is totally waste, waste of time. We must be familiar with these weapons because we don't have any other weapons. All these weapons that the, the scripture is revealing to us that God is providing for us because evil days do come. They do come, people. Challenges do arise in our lives. So we need to be trained by the word before they come. For instance, sickness is a challenge. There are a lot of evil things that happen to people because we live in perilous times. And so we talked about the weapon of truth. We are dealing with the strategies and mind games of Satan to try to deceive us mostly Praying on ignorance, which is absence of truth. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Christians are destroyed for ignorance. And do you think because the Bible said this, that we should be enthusiastic about getting knowledge, seeking the truth? No, what we seek is power. That's what we seek, power. 
I didn't hear the Bible say that my people are destroyed because of lack of power. No. What we seek is power, anointing, prayer, fasting is anointing, power, power, power. But an ignorant human Christian is an ignorant Christian. Even with power, he doesn't know how to apply it. Look at what the scripture says for people who don't have interest in knowing the truth. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception, 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 among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. It, it, it is not, people chase power, looking for somebody with power, anointing power. And for this reason, because they don't have interest in knowing the truth, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie they're seeking. They, want, they don't care about the truth, so they want to believe lies. Go ahead and enjoy yourself. That they, they all may be condemned when they did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Not believing the truth is called unrighteousness. It's called unrighteousness. The Bible calls it evil heart. So the truth must be alive in us. We must seek to know it. For if you seek, you find. It must be alive in us. It must be active in us. It must be what controls our thoughts, our words, our life. It has to be active. So 3 John verse, verse 3 says, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you. Which means people can see the truth in us. People can notice that the truth is actually in us. The truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. As you walk and practice it, people see the truth in us. It's not hidden. As you walk, and, as you walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. The truth in us is the truth that we walk by. It's the truth that people can see. Faith is seen. The Bible says when Jesus saw their faith, he saw their action. Therefore, we must be invested enough in learning and knowing the truth that is in Christ Jesus. We must invest time, invest resources. 2 Timothy 2.15 said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to study so that we are not ashamed, we are not defeated when challenges of life come. And we must have a right understanding, proper interpretation of the truth as the Holy Spirit reveals this to us. And the matter of two or three witnesses, you can't take one verse of the Bible, quote it and be run all over the place. And that's what a lot of people do. They, just, they say the Bible said, the Bible said they just take one verse, they don't get the context of it. Colossians 2.7, let your roots grow down into him. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your life be built on him. Is this working? Let your life be, let your life be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow 
with thankfulness. You will overflow with thankfulness. When your root grows deep in Christ and your life is built on him, on him, then your faith will grow strong in the truth. You were taught this process of teaching it. Unfortunately, many, many churches that have thousands of people, when you talk of Bible studies, people don't show up. No. But when you talk of power, hey, they come from, they invite their relations, the place is jammed. But what, what we should seek is the truth. And they don't show up to know it. They're not interested in it. Bible study is the least attended program in any church. Bible studies. And studying the Bible is the least thing Christians do. Many, 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 many Christians, some pastors too, pastors too, leaders too, they do not study the Bible. They don't. Meditate on the truth you read and hear to digest it. Like food digested, digested then it's used by the body. Meditation is spiritual digestion of the food that helps us to retain 100% of the truth we study. When you meditate, you retain 100%. You digest it. The Spirit of God has a chance to break it down for you. Then we need to practice what we've learned to perfect in the revelation that God has given us. Until we put it into practice, the truth will not manifest. There is nothing you know that works until you start practicing it. You can know how to drive, but until you start getting behind the steering and start moving a car, all that you're knowing how to drive is not useful. That's what Todd John said, that my, my children have the truth in them, and they walk in it, and people saw it. Hebrew 5, 14, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training, training, practice, have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong through practice, through training, practical means. It's how you begin to recognize this is not from God. This is from God. This is what I need to do. This is what I don't have to do. And we need to be very careful what we believe these days. Why? First John 4. First John 4. Believe, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. That's where John 4 1. Believe not every spirit. You don't believe everything here. It doesn't matter who said that. You don't. But try the spirits, whether they are of God. That's your responsibility. Otherwise, you can believe junk, you can be deceived. We live in perilous times. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. It didn't say few. When the Bible says many, then there are many. These are evil days, people. In Matthew 6, verse 22, it says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. So your eye provides light. So if you are seen well, your body is seen. So you can know where you're headed. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. You can move your whole body safely when your eye is good. But when your eye is bad, you can't see. 
Your whole body is filled with darkness. When you close your eyes, all you see is darkness. And you wouldn't know what you're going, where you're going. And then it brings it to what we believe. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think, you think, you think, you think, you think, you have is actually darkness. How deep that darkness is. If what you think is true is not really true, you'll be deceived to buy it and drink it. The Lord Jesus said, how dark. It's like blind person. How dark you're walking in. So let's go to the breastplate of righteousness. It has three applications to it. And this righteousness is very important because that's how we live our lives too. It has three applications which we are going to deal with and see how we employ this breastplate of righteousness in battles of life. Number one is righteousness of faith, which was talked about on Thursday, Romans 3.21. But now the righteousness of God is not your righteousness. Must understand that the righteousness we're talking about here is not your righteousness, it's not my righteousness. The Holy Spirit made it clear. The righteousness of God, G-O-D. His righteousness. Apart from the law, apart from the law, apart from the righteousness of the law, is being revealed now by the gospel. That's one of the very important messages of the gospel. The righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophet. Witness, the law and the prophet wrote about this righteousness that is going to be revealed when Jesus comes. It says, 22. Even the righteousness of God. Again, he calls it the righteousness of God. It's not what you do. It's not what I do. It's not my righteousness. It's not yours. God's righteousness. Through faith. In Jesus Christ alone. To all and all who believe him. Amazing. But true. For there is no difference. For all have seen now and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's, the, that's, the, that's where all of us are. So there's no righteousness you can bring or I can bring. 24. Now, being freely, being justified, being forgiven, freely justified because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we are now freely justified, which means you are not condemned anymore. You are not under the condemnation of sin. The soul that sinned shall die, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Condemnation comes because of sin. Condemned to die. But Jesus died in our place. And his blood washed away our sins. So we served our sentence in Christ. We are now justified. We are now counted righteous by God. You can't lay upon me or, or a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ a crime that Jesus has paid for. It's called double jeopardy in America. And God forbade it. God says, affliction shall not arise twice. That's why God said, I'm not unrighteous. If you, forgive, if you confess your sins, say, I'm not unrighteous. I'm just. And I forgive you because it already has been paid for. I can't be unrighteous. After 
Jesus punishing. The Bible says it pleased God to smite him. After smiting Christ in, in judgment, God will turn around and smite you. So why did he smite Christ? Why did he put his son to die? He said, I'm not unrighteous. I don't act like that. So now the Bible says, for all, that is Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned, falling short of the glory of God. So we have come under the judgment of sin, of, of, of the sin, which is death. For the soul that she needs shall die. That's, that's the judgment. Because we have all sinned. But 24, 24 brought us the good news. Being justified freely now, free, free, at no cost to you and me. It's not because you fasted. It's not because you did that. Because it's not because you were born near water. You were born all manner of stuff that people talk about. It's irrelevant. It's a free gift. Justified freely by his grace unmerited. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's in Christ that we have this redemption, freedom from the judgment of sin. Romans 4, verse 3, I'm reading TPT. It said, listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham built, it's explaining to us how God transferred his own righteousness. Remember, it's the righteousness of God. It's not your righteousness. Transfer the righteousness to us. It's, it's, it's amazing. Romans 4, verse 3. Listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's word. That's all. He said, this righteousness is upon all who believe. Upon all, freely. Grace. Abraham believed God's word. His faith transferred God's righteousness to his account. God's own perfect righteousness was transferred to Abraham to be his own. If I transfer money into your account, that money becomes your own. That righteousness of God was transferred to Abraham as his own. So, so God sees Abraham as righteous as God is. Because God's righteousness is what they transferred to him. And no man can achieve it. It's impossible. But that's God's standard. God cannot behold 0.5% of iniquity. There's nothing like, I'm, I'm a lot better now. Forget about it. Let me read it again. Listen to what the scripture says. Because Abraham believed God's word, his faith, his faith, his faith, his faith. We read it upon those who believe. His faith transferred God's righteousness into his account. When people walk now, they earn wages. If you work for it, then you earn it. It can't be considered a free gift if it's earned by anything. Because they earned it. But no one earns God's righteousness. It's, it's blasphemy to say you are going to earn God's righteousness. It's blasphemy. A human being like you. But that's what a lot of people think. Think they're good enough for God. They've earned it. You're pulling them out of it. No, they're going they're deeper into it. It's blasphemy. To stand up and say, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to earn God. I'm going to be as righteous as God. I'm going to be like God, most high. 
Does, does, can anybody say things like this normally? If there's no deceit in that system, it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. When we say, no, I cannot be like God. God said, okay, I can give you my righteousness free. I can't be like God. That's the sin of Satan. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say I'm going to be as righteous as God. I'm going to be as holy as God. I know the scriptures say, be ye holy for I'm holy. But we don't have time to go into all of that to teach us that all these things are interconnected if you know how these things work. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything. You can't achieve that thing. So it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. We believe in the one who powerfully declared the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes. We just believe the grace of God, the mercy of God that he gave us in Christ Jesus. And God says, sure, if you come to Christ, I will count you as righteous. I give you my righteousness. It's free. I decided to give it to you because my son paid the price for your sin. But if you want to work for it and earn it, you'll be cursed. You come under a curse right away. You know, people don't understand what they do when they think they are going to be like God, going to fast for three days to be, to be accepted by God, to earn God's favor. It brings curse. But that's, 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 it flies in the face of God that a human being wants to pay God for something. Flies right in the face of God. So how do you feel when people come and want to pay you to earn something from you? <laughs> they, they want to pay you. They, they want something you can only give them. They, they'll join. You know what I mean? Come on. That's pride. So God, this scripture says can only be transferred. Let me read it again. It, only, it can only be transferred when we no longer rely on our own works. We believe in the one who powerfully declared the godly to be righteous in his eyes. It is faith, faith that transfers God's righteousness into your account. It is faith only in the mercy of God, in the goodness of God, in the grace of God that Christ Jesus brought us then God gives you what you can never earn. So you can't say, I want to be like God. God now makes you to be like him. He makes you to be like him. He gives you his righteousness. Only God can decide that. That thing the devil wanted to earn, I want to be like God. God said, he kicked him out. Don't, don't go there. Don't try that. Let God give you what you can earn, it will humble you the rest of your life and make you love God back. So in Isaiah 45, 23, God says, I have sworn by my own name, I have spoken the truth, I will never go back on my word. Look at, listen to God. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to me, will confess allegiance to me, accept what I'm giving them free, allegiance to me, the people will declare the Lord is the source, is the source of all my righteousness and strength. He's the source of it. If you don't declare it, you won't have it. 
And all who were angry with him will come to him to be ashamed. 25. In the Lord, all generations of Israel will be justified in Christ. And in him, they will boast. In him, they will say, yeah, it's in the Lord with God, this righteousness of God. Not, not by our own power. So the self-produced righteousness versus God-given righteousness. Let, let, let's compare it so we can get, get better understanding about this. God's own righteousness and man's own righteousness. Remember what I said before, that it is blasphemy to a man, for a man to say, I'm going to be like God. You cannot say that. I said again, that's what the devil said. If you say that, it brings a cost. You can't boast in yourself and say, I'm going to be as holy as God. It's beyond us. So all that man does in act of righteousness, God called this filthy rag. It can't bring him the righteousness of God, which is God's only standard. God doesn't have two standards. That righteousness of God is God's only standard. God does not accept, you know, I'm, I'm 80% good, but God can tolerate 15% of my iniquity. No. God does not behold iniquity. It's either that work, that's righteousness of God you have free, or you don't have it at all, and you don't come near him. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 5, Moses, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that which one, the ones we do. When you talk of the law, you're talking about what we do. But when you talk of the word, you're talking about what God does. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. When you talk of the word of God, you're talking about what God watches over to perform. When you talk about the law, you're talking about what God's responsibility. God says, okay, these are my laws. You go do them. You go, go produce it. But when you talk about the word, God says, I watch over my word to perform it. That's what God does for you. So for Moses writes about the righteousness, which of the, of the law, the man who does, the, you see the man now, the man who does this thing shall live by it. It's what the men do. It's what we do. But the righteousness of faith, the one we're talking about, speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Don't say, who oh God, that do this for me. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it really say? This righteousness that is of faith. The word is in your word. Now we're not talking the law. Talking about the word. We're not talking the law now. The word. That is what God says I perform. The word. The word. The word is in your, the word is in your, is near you. In your mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That's what God says, I perform. I perform my word. Now we're not talking about the law. We're talking about the word. It's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we pray, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God saved him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be made righteous. You'll be counted righteous. God will give you his righteousness. You'll be saved from judgment. You'll be justified. God performs it. God said, this is my word. I promise you that. That as many as believe, they are saved. I perform it. So he said, this, 
This righteousness does not come by what you do, who we go and bring God up from down. Say, no, it's already the word we preach to you. You write it in your heart, in your mouth. You can confess it and believe it. And then God will save you and give, count you justified. To save is you are no more condemned, justified, saved from for condemnation and judgment of sin. And with all the blessings that come, we're being free now, restored to right standing with God. God said, I perform it. We're not talking of words. The word, the word which was preached to you, which you only believe, and God ascribes his righteousness to you. And when God ascribes his righteousness to you, you are, who can, what kind of judgment are you going to get? Remember what I said? This judgment already has fallen on Christ. Already. For, verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not about what you do. It's what you believe, what you confess. As it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. For the scripture says, whosoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. All. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Once you call upon the name of Jesus, you are justified. Your sins are forgiven. You, you, you run to him for salvation. It's like calling upon somebody when you are in trouble. You call upon the name of the Lord. You go to him and say, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I say, yep. God immediately transfers his righteousness to you. Cleanses you of your unrighteousness. And you become a child of God. Free. He's performing his word. Performing his word. Performing his word. Which is preached to you. So Paul, understanding these things, chose the word that God performs over what he, Paul, performs. Because can you compare what, what you do with what God performs? There's nobody who, who, how can it be any normal person? We prefer what God does. Any person who prefer, oh, righteousness, of, that's what I want. The one that God performs, the one that God gives. Because it's from God that all perfect gifts come. So Philippians 3 says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I, 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 I obeyed the law without thought. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Perform the word Christ has done, not I. What Christ has done versus what I did. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting all as garbage. So I could gain Christ. I could gain what he has for me, what he's doing. What is done? The word. He's the word made man. He's the word here. He's the living word performed by the Spirit of God in his life for me. 
Verse 9, Philippians 3, 9. And become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith. The word faith keeps recurring in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Depends on believing what God has done. Believing the performance of God in Christ for us. Not what I have done. Hebrew 11.7, it was by faith that Noah built a, a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah received it, because God told him what was going to happen, and God told him, hey, I'm going to destroy this world. I'm going to do this. Again, the world. This is what I'm going to do. But this is what I want you to do. So I save you. And he believed God. Remember, the word in you and the word you act. The word in you and the word you leave out. The word in you, the word you leave out. So he received the word from God and lived it out. An act of faith. The Bible says, he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Like Abraham. Number two is that there is a righteous, God made us righteous because Christ took our place. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he has made him to be seen for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made, might be made, M-A-D-E, act of God. Act of God. What God did for you. Not what you did. Let me read this again. For he, God, had made Christ to be seen for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made, God, made, made, God, God. The word performed by God. What God does is what you trust in. It's what you accept for you. You can't do better than what God has done. God made Christ to be seen for us. So that God can make you and me righteous. God is doing all of that from beginning to the end. Let me read this comment by David Gosick. It's a comment by somebody called Poole, P-O-O-L-E. From Enduring World by David Gosick. It said, this is the whole truth of justification stated simply. Our sins... We are on Jesus. Listen to this. And his righteousness is on us. Now listen. And as Christ was not made sin by any sin inherent in him, he was not made sin by what sin he committed. He didn't commit any sin. So neither you or I were made righteous by any righteousness we, we, we inherit in us or by any righteousness we did. Christ was made sin, not because there was sin in him, not because he committed sin. In the same way, we are made righteous, not because we, there was righteousness in us or because we commit, did any righteous thing. God did all of it by his grace and mercy. So the righteousness of God is a gift. It is not earned. Romans 5.17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's 
wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. His gift of righteousness. For all who receive it, we live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. If we have time, we can explain why if you don't receive the righteousness of God, you can't live over, you can't have victory. You, you shut yourself out of the benefit of being accepted by God or by your ignorance. Because instead of believing and being blessed, you want to achieve it and you get cost. Number three, we are righteous by creation. When we were created new and given the life of Christ, which is righteous and holy, we are born again, born of God with a holy and righteous nature. Being born again is not a Pentecostal jargon. It's a reality. A Christian must understand his new identity. If you are confused about your identity, you will, you will not win battles. There is no Christian who lives by his natural identity who walks in the spirit. You be carnal. Carnal-mindedness, you, ne- you don't understand what God is doing, what God is doing in his performing his word, what he has performed, you will not. In carnal-mindedness, you focus on yourself and not on Christ and not on God. So we are born again. A Christian must understand what it means to be born again. And live by that, believe it and live by that reality every day of his life. We are new creatures in Christ. All things are passed away. We are spirit beings living in a human, in, in a human house. The Bible called this, this tabernacle. We are living in this tabernacle. The day we leave this world, this tabernacle is what they carry around and bury. But the real you lives for heaven. John 3.6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the one we, when you came in the in, um, delivery room. That which is born of the spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot give birth to a corrupted. Born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. That's what the Lord Jesus is teaching. That we are going to be born of the spirit. We are going to Come of God. He said, you are of God. It's a mystery. You are of God, little children. You are of God. You are born of God. You came out of it. It's a mystery, people. Just like you came out of your mom. So you came out of God. You are born. You are of God, little children. So Christianity is not to improve or make, upgrade your character or anything. It's not like that. It's to make you new. It's to make you new. Because the old cannot be fixed. There's nothing in us that can be fixed. So we talked about how God illustrated the church with, as of Christ, the true vine. Why the word true vine? If the Bible says there's a true vine, then there must be a bad vine. There must be a bad vine then. And then we find it in Scripture that God used Israel, which is the shadow of the church, to illustrate that man cannot, cannot produce good fruit. It's not possible. So he, create, he came to Abraham and became, you know, friend of Abraham by choice. It's, it's grace. 
there was no law. And then from there, Abraham had, you know, his children and their children of covenant. And Israel was born. And God said, yeah, Israel is my firstborn. And they became the people of God. God, it's not that God is unfair to every other tribe. But God wanted to teach the whole world about the coming of Christ and what it means. Because if we don't have something that we can relate with physically, we'll not understand spiritual things when they come. Because God's ultimate plan is, is the salvation of mankind through Christ. So he used Israel as a shadow. The Bible says it's the shadow of the reality, which is Christ himself. So he called Israel divine. So let's read about it now. In Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all... No, sorry. Uh, I jumped my line. Yeah, Jeremiah 2, 21. Yet, Jeremiah 2, 21. Yet, I have planted thee a noble vine. That's Israel. The planting of the Lord. God's people. Said I planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then are thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? Because when he planted, he gave them the law. So you do that, produce fruit. Showing mankind, you can't produce fruit. Sin has corrupted you. Sin has simply corrupted you. You can't produce. Your nature is evil. Isaiah chapter 5. Now, will I sing to my beloved, my way beloved, a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My way beloved had a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, gathered out of the stones thereof, and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. Remember, God gave them the oracle of God, the knowledge of the worship of God, the temples have worship. The choices, choices. Verse 2. Now he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with a choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. Also with a wine press therein. He looked that it should bring forth grapes. And they brought forth white grapes. <laughs> so he put a, a tower I put with hate. You remember, God surrounded Israel with protection. He said, What they brought out was white grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, George, <laughs> I pray you, between me. And this is my vineyard. This is people. Verse 4. What could, have, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done to it? Wherefore, when I looked to, that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wide grapes. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. And it shall be eaten up. Not, there's nothing to do to it except eating. Finish it. I'm not, I'm not walking on it again. 
And it shall be eaten up and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be thrown down. Not walking on it is gone. And I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they, that they rain no rain upon it. I'm done. Finished. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, cry. People are crying out of injustice. Say that I was looking for righteousness. All I got is this. And Jesus, when he came, started to talk about this that Isaiah wrote. He started to talk about it in Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. Now listen to another story. A certain landlord, landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it. Is he not quoting Isaiah? <laughs> built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Is he not saying what Isaiah was saying? Then he leads the vineyard to tenant farmers. He leads it to all these religious teachers, religious rabbis. They were to take care of the vineyard. And moved to another country, 34. And at the time of grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed the servants, beat them. Jesus said, God sent you many prophets, you killed them. But the farmers grabbed the servants, beat one, killed one, stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the result was the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, surely they will respect my son. Oh no, verse 38. But when the tenants from us saw his son <clears throat> coming, they said to one another, Ha! Here comes the heir to the est this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, dragged him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. 40. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, What do you think he will do to these farmers? Oh, the religious leaders replied, he will put the wicked men, they didn't know what we were talking about. He will put the wicked men to a horrible death now. Leave the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, did you ever read this in the scriptures? These two you people are rejecting. <laughs> did you ever read this? That this stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. The word performed by the Lord. Not the law. Not the main doing. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous to see. 43, I tell you now, let me tell you, people. I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you. God will plant a brand new vineyard. And you are not going to be the husbandman again. 
It will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces. Do you know what Jesus told Paul? What he told Paul? Broken to pieces and it will crush anyone a force. You see, scripture keeps coming. God keeps speaking in scripture. Now, the Jesus came in John chapter 15. It's very interesting, this thing. John chapter 15, Jesus came and said, I am the true vine. <laughs> the true vine is here. He said, this will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will be at the proper fruit. And what he, said, he said, and the way he came, he said, I am the true vine. My father now is the husband man. You are no more the husband man. He said, remember, he said, the vineyard I planted, I gave it out to husband men to take care of it. He said, this one, my father is the husband man. You are not. It's the doing of the Lord. It's the act of God. In this new nation, it's the act of my father. From the cross, all the days of their life, is the act of my father. He will be the husband man through his spirit. Building them, nurturing them, pruning them, producing the fruit by his spirit. It's not me now. It's my father who will be the husband man. And let's see something interesting, amazing. Verse 2. Every branch, branch in me that bringeth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Which means it's not everybody that is in me that brings forth fruit. We'll look at it later on. That it may bring forth more fruit. Now, ye are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself now, except they abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. I am the vine. You are my branches, born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. You are of God. You are offshoot. You are coming out of me. Just like the natural baby came out of the woman, you are of God. And when the Bible says you are not of this world, you should understand what that is true. The Spirit gave birth to you, Spirit. You came from the Holy Spirit. It's a mystery. A branch is an offshoot of the vine. As the branch cannot bear fruit on its, of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. You are my offshoot. You are my offshoot. That which is born of the flesh is offshoot of flesh. That which is born of the spirit is offshoot of the spirit. Don't mix them. If you do, you get confused. Don't ever mix them. For without me, you can do nothing.
abide in me. Means connection. We must remain united with Christ. We must find ourselves united with Christ. That joining with Christ is everything in Christianity. It's everything in Christianity. Christ in you, the only hope of glory, his presence is what makes you a child of God. His presence is what guarantees you that all the blessings of God are yours. His presence, the greater one in you, gives you victory over everything. His presence impacts his character, his life in you. His presence makes you his vine. and The father is the vine dresser walking in you through his spirit that is in you. You are not your vine dresser. He is. So we have to believe our union with him. Abiding in him. We have to believe that we are really living in him and he in us. Romans 7, 4. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You die to the power of the law. You die to the power of the law. You're no more living under the law. What you do when you died with Christ, and now you are united, branch, vine, united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result of this uniting, you can produce a harvest of good deeds. That's the reason. It's not because of you and what you do. Jesus said, it is the lost doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. That's why it's by faith. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. The Christian must understand this joining, believe in this joining, and depend on this joining. Romans chapter, Romans, I think chapter, chapter 6 or so, not chapter 6, I think chapter 5 or 4, where I say, oh no, Ephesians 1, where I say enumerating all the blessings that come to us because we're united with Christ. Just simply because we're united with Christ. The only hope of glory is that uniting with Christ. The acts is the Lord's doing. Marvelous in our sight. Then he said, you know, in union, you depend on his strength as your strength. You cannot do all things now through the strength he supplies. The strength of the branch is the strength of the vine. Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. That's what that joining confers on you, the privilege it gives you. An alloy with the spirit of God. The strength is the Lord. He has become to you my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, my healer, my provider, whom I will trust, my buckler, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Oh, this is amazing. Psalm 118, verse 14. The Lord is my strength and song. Now I have a song. Man, now I have a song. I'm not alone. Therefore, will I hope in him? Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. It's my life now. 
Remember, my old life has been crucified. I'm born again. I'm born again of the spirit, offshoot of him. I'm his offshoot. So it's my life. If I see a branch of mango, that branch of mango is mango. It's mango. So my flesh is no more my life. I can't identify with my flesh no more. Christ is my life, not my flesh. Again, faith by faith. Colossians 2.6. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down in him and let your life be built on him. That's what we read before. Our roots must grow down in him. Our lives must be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you've been taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Now, you see, faith embraces what God has done. That's what faith is. It accepts everything God has done. The lost doing is marvelous in our sight. You must accept the lost doing. Jesus said to them, you have rejected the lost doing. This stone you people rejected is the chief cornerstone. It is the Lord's doing you are rejecting. When you reject the works of God in Christ, you are rejecting the works lost doing. And Jesus said, this stone, people who stumble upon it, they will crush themselves. Romans 8, 3, I'm reading message. God, sent, God went for the juggler when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem of mankind as something remote and unimportant. In his son, in his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition. Jesus said, it's the lost doing. It is the lost doing. Enter the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it always was by fractured human nature could never have done that. Wild olive, that's what it produces. The law always ended up being used as a band-aid of sin instead of a deep healing of it. Verse 4, and now, what the law could ask for, but we, could, we couldn't deliver. It's accomplished as we, instead of, instead of redoubling our own effort to be like God, which is blasphemy, which the devil said, be as holy as God, make an effort to be as holy as God, to be like God. Because you say, I want to be as holy as God. What do you say? I want to be like God. You are redoubling effort. He says, no, you embrace, this is the lost doing. How God gave you his righteousness and made you be like him. How God created you into righteousness and holiness. How God gave you his life, his nature, the Lord's doing. The Lord's doing. God performs his word. The Lord's doing. You embrace the Lord's doing as true. For you, because that's the witness of the Holy Spirit. So instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in you. What Christ has done, embrace it as true. United with him, sure, I'm united with him, embrace it, embrace that. He said, it's my, it's my life, I'm my song. Now, I have a song, I have a testimony. Second Corinthians 5.13. 
if it seems we are crazy, it, is being, bring, it will bring glory to God. If we are out of our right mind, it is for your benefit. He said, when we believe this, people think we are crazy. Think we are out of our mind. Either way, Christ's love now controls us. The love of Jesus now controls me. Why? Since we believe. See, I accepted it all. Believe that Christ died for all. We also believe now that we have all died to our old life. It's gone. I'm born of God. I'm born of God. 15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Can't do that. Instead, they, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Then Jesus said there are branches that will not bear fruit. Of course. <laughs> of course. He said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. So I'll cut it off. It means this branch is a branch already. It's a branch already, but it does not bear fruit. Why? The reason is that it does not believe that's united with Christ. So he's trying to be like God. He doesn't believe in this is the lost doing. So he wants to do it. So he will take the glory in how good this is. And he compare himself with others who are not as good. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They are not as good at themselves. Because when he believes in the Lord's doing, all his pride goes away. You can't be proud of what you were given free. Brethren, majority of Christians are in this, in this package right now. Living by faith looks, Paul said they think we are crazy. It looks foolish. That's what Jesus said. My, he said, my wisdom will look foolish. Because it's the Lord's doing. God said, I will share my glory with you. It's the Lord's doing. Either I embrace what I'm doing or you are. Romans 8.5. Those who think they can do it on their own <laughs> end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. They never really get around to exercising it. You see, they are like, all that pretend and things is because if you get close to them, you find they're empty. Because they're trying to do what only can come of the lost doing. Except the Lord builds it. Jesus said, you can't deal with that. But they're trying to. And they're convinced they're good though. It's all part of delusion. So they never get around to exercising it in real life. But those who trust God's action, the Lord's doing in them, find that this God's spirit is in them, united with him in them, living and breathing God. It's only the spirit of God can do that. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious free life of freedom. Up from seeing freedom from wanting to be approved by men and all that kind of junk. Focusing on the self is opposite of focusing on God. Let me read it again. Focusing on the self is opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. Ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is, what God is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. And that person can do nothing without God. 
this is the Lord's doing. Marvelous in our sight. Now see an example of how Paul employed the weapon of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 6.3. We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. You see, the Lord's doing. He said, the love of God controls us. We're not pretending. We're not trying to act it. It's the spirit of God in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I live by faith in him alone. He controls my life. Paul is dead. It's no longer I. See what Jesus produced. We live in such a way that no one will, be, will stumble because of us. If you make somebody stumble, has you not, have you not been, are, you not, are you now not walking on the side of the enemy? When you take out the soul that believes in Jesus because of your word, your action, and bad example. No one stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles. The love of Christ controls us. Patiently endure troubles and hardships, calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, walked in exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food, no murmuring, no complaining, no insulting people, no finding fault. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love, the Holy Spirit within us producing. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. You see, acknowledging who is doing these things. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack and left hand for defense. All this righteous act that God is producing through us does not give the devil opportunity to penetrate our job, penetrate our life, penetrate what we are doing. He locks him out. Locks him out. I mean, if, if I'm not quarreling, where will trouble come from? If, 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 if your life is exemplary, Christ is walking. The Bible says there's no law against this type of life. It can only defy people. It can only be light that helps people to find the truth. That way you stop the devil deceiving people by your life. Your life becomes an epistle that people read. They read it. It's a weapon. It's not only when you yell all night. Wigglesworth said, so I can get something from God in 10 minutes than yelling at him all night. It's a weapon. Powerful weapon from God. The righteous life of Christ. The light of the world. When he shines into darkness, darkness simply cannot understand. You think the heathens will understand this type of life you are living? The Bible said they, they will not understand it. Because it's so different. It's like, it's like Moses saw a great light. We use weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack. And left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. An attack comes. Call us imposters. So instead of preaching the truth, we spend time trying to argue with them that we are not imposters. They say, no, 
we are faithful in preaching the truth. They call us imposters. We are ignored. Even though we are well known, we live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. <laughs> Ooh. Said, I have a song because it's my strength. I do all these things through the strength he supplies me. I am joined with him. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We teach the truth. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Christ is our all. It's a crisis, my all. When, you are, when your contentment is not Christ, you are going to be greedy. And you are going to serve the purpose of this world. And the devil have you where he wants you. When Jesus is your contentment, the things of this world lose their value. Honestly, you, you don't count. They are not the things that brings you your satisfaction. Paul said, Christ is my all and all. I'm completing him. I like nothing. So I've learned the secret of life. Whether I have or don't have, that's not my source of contentment. Christ is my source of contentment. When you have Jesus as your source of contentment, what will the devil tempt you with in this world? If you take away this, you don't even recognize it. They, 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 somebody talked about me. We don't even hear because your value is focused on Christ. Weapon. Powerful weapon. Romans 12, 21. Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. You don't duplicate evil because they spoke about I spoke about them. That's carnality. No, that's a, that's a branch. It's not bearing fruit. Proverbs 25, 28. He that had no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. You can't control yourself. You, you, don't, you don't lose, you don't win any battle because once they touch you, your mouth starts talking, you start revenging, you start going all over the place, calling meetings, trying to talk, acting like a baby. And all those things really show people that you are not what you should be. Nobody's impressed with that kind of character. Nobody. It doesn't even win you anything. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't work with that. Let me tell us something. If you want this Holy Spirit to work with you, you must do things righteously. You must. You must allow him to control your life. If you take over from him, he will leave you alone to be doing what you're doing. I don't care what, whether it's business you're doing, whatever. Once you start all these cutting, cutting corners, you are not getting him involved. If you like, beginning giving testimony, it's him. It's not him. Because he can't. Cannot participate in iniquity. There's no darkness in God. That's why letting Him control your life, the Lord's doing, is so important. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for what you've taught us tonight. The weapon of righteousness, amazing weapon. No, it's not the way the world thinks. They think it works. Now you're showing us how it works. How he closes the door against the enemy. It doesn't give him an opportunity to come and scatter things. For the fruit of the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. In pursuit of peace, we see your glory. 
Lord, your glory is, is in these things, in your life. In your life, people don't think it's glorious. But what can be more glorious than the life of patience? Long-suffering that Paul was enumerating by the Holy Spirit here. The world does not have it. They have to touch me, I touch you. No, they are still alive, but we are dead. Thank you for what you are reminding us. We are joined to Christ. And we have a song. In all situations, we have a song. We know in whom we believe. We know our Redeemer liveth. We know we are joined to him. Who can we be afraid of? The Lord is the strength of our life. Of whom shall we fear? Thank you, Lord. Father, I commit this teaching into your hand. Only you can interpret it in the hearts of people. Only you can give the revelation, the light of it, by which we live. And you want people to know the truth. And I know you will do that to those who will cooperate with you. Blessed be thy name. In Jesus' name we pray.